Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Anderson. So how's everybody doing in this very, very windy afternoon? Good. Pretty good. Not as bad. The weather's not as bad as it is in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's raining there. Yeah. Hey, there are a couple, a couple tweets showing the people up in like the, cause the game, the football game got delayed. There, uh, the weather in the stands there was just nasty. Yeah, it was wild. Well, Cleveland, I've been to Cleveland and there's not really much going on there. Mm. Not, I'm not gonna say it's a bad place cause I don't want to insult anyone that does like Cleveland, but I, I wouldn't go again. It's very blah. All right, so promote, extend, trade, and I, you know, if you guys are different people, I think we would have had a really good one today. Uh oh, <laughs> uh oh, oh boy! Today's, today's Macho Man Randy Savage's birthday. Oh, and there's could have been so much stuff we could have done with that, but you guys don't know wrestling. Oh, I do. Well, yeah, Thomas does, but Lucas and Ken, you guys, you know, just look up get the, on that. the cream of the crop. Um, exactly. Uh, promo. That's all I you know. Need. There's like a unionization fight going on right now. Yeah, they just yeah, fired some, one too. <laughs> some stuff's going on, and uh, some stuff definitely going on in wrestling. 
Literally all I know. My sister's been playing a lot of New Vegas on her Twitch, so you guys are a bunch of damn profligates. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, there's some other stuff going on in the world that has, oh, should I say, that has gone on in the world. And there's a couple of other people who are celebrating their birthdays today, and they have a couple of things in common. A, they are New York sport personalities, and they were, to varying degrees, kind of either important or the faces of their franchises at the time. So, who are we going to promote, extend trade of all these guys celebrating their birthdays today? First, we have Doc Gooden. Then we have O.C. Omanyora. And finally, we have Amari Stoudemire. Ooh. I, I think mean, extending Doc, no Doc Gooden is, yes, but the, second, the, the, the secondary guys is kind of, hmm. Are you saying that the Mets podcast is biased towards the... <laughs> The baseball player? Yeah. No. No. Why would you think that? And also, Doc Gooden is Doc Gooden. I mean, come on now. Yeah, yeah he's like a top three pitcher in Mets history. Uh, whereas O.C. is more just a was a good player. And Amari didn't have his best years in New York, if I recall correctly. I'm not, definitely I wasn't did, a big... Definitely yeah, he was, did not. He was better in Phoenix. But I feel like he kind of had that intangible effect of making the Knicks, like, a thing again. Semi-legitimate. Right. And then he brought, you know, whatever degree he was involved and brought Carmelo over, and that obviously helped on on the court. Yeah, that really worked out. Well, I would say yeah. O.C. is, like, a better player just because he was, like, a part, a big part of two of championship-winning teams. But Literally the two flukiest Super Bowl wins yeah. ever. I mean, hey, a win's a win. Win's a win. Be quiet, Patriots fan. <laughs> I am a Patriot fan. <laughs> but um, like Sotomayor was like really important to making the 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 Knicks like relevant. Mm-hmm. Like he was a big part of that. For how little that lasted. <laughs> it was like they clawed they clawed themselves back into like a year of relevance and then slid right back into being a joke. Yep. that sounds familiar. So ultimately, obviously, I'm extending Gooden, but I, I promoted Sotomayor because, and, and traded O.C. because I feel like you could have gotten by without O.C., even though he was as good as he was. Mm-hmm. And Sotomayor's, you know, value was, when he was playing, he was solid. He spent a lot of time hurt, so that didn't help. But when he was able to play, he was solid. Not as good as his All-Star days, but... And then, of course, just the, the, what's a good word, just the hype around him, the hype around him being on the Knicks, and just the hype that he brought to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. Like, if it was Eli, we would be having a different conversation here. Yes, definitely. Don't get, definitely. Me, don't get me started on Eli. <laughs> Dude's going to wind up in the Hall of Fame as a below-average quarterback is. for his he is career. The Hall of Fame. And it's such a joke. A below average quarterback with two Super Bowl rings. May, he made he made one good throw in those two Super Bowls combined and got MVP in both. It's unreal. Well, when you dethrone the Patriots and Tom Brady, that's you know that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more about um, contributions to the game. 
knocking yeah, like, Tom Brady down a peg. Uh-huh. Like always, and, always appreciated. And like the, somebody the level had to do it. <laughs> how good those Patriots teams were. Yeah. He's like going to be synonymous in NFL history for that forever. And the fact that that 2007 Patriot team didn't win is that's just, so crazy. <laughs> such a fucking joke. The other thing is like you could rerun that the the helmet catch play again a hundred times. Ninety times he just gets sacked. Another nine times that ball is dropped or intercepted. Oh yeah. It's... Alas, this is the timeline we found ourselves <laughs> in. <laughs> I'm really not making my. I'm sure there are very few people who are like me, Mets, and also Patriot fans. Um, I promise you, listeners who are angry at me, I don't really care about football. <laughs> or wrestling, unfortunately. No, no, I care even less about wrestling. Not that, or, not by that much, Shining though. Or Time Station. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> Remote Accenture Football <laughs> Wrestling Thomas Tank Engine Show. Plus dinosaurs. Uh, dinosaurs are great. Yes, we all like dinosaurs. Well, the NC Dinos are um, going to be... Smooth. Smooth as silk, Steve. The uh, Dinos are going to be playing the Doosan Bears in the Korea series because the Bears basically um, ran roughshod over the KT Wiz in the quarterfinals. No, semifinals. No. I don't know. Whichever one is the the uh, championship series. So it's going to be Dinos and Bears in the Korea series and go oh, Dinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one guy that we should definitely talk about before we move on from uh, this uh, is a guy that basically is the reason why the Bears are going to the Korea series. And he's one of the hottest pitchers in Korea. And that is, believe it or not, the Chris Flexen. For the season, he was pretty solid. He posted a 301 ERA in 116 and two-thirds innings, allowing 97 hits, 30 walks, and 132 strikeouts. Very solid. But he really went into another gear starting in October, um, which is, you know, the last month of this season. For the entire month, he gave up just three earned runs over 31 and two-thirds innings. So that comes out to an 85 ERA. The point eight five year, right? I can't and wait to call Degrom's performances next year, Chris Flexen like. Yeah, that oh, would be. God. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> um, in those thirty one and two thirds innings, he allowed nineteen hits total. He walked three and he struck out forty two. So that is pretty dominant. And then in the playoffs, he was even better. He pitched one game against the LG Twins in the quarterfinals last week. Um, and unfortunately for us, he threw six shutout innings. And he gave up four hits, he walked one, and he struck out 11. And then this week, he pitched against the Wiz in the semifinals, and he got touched up a little bit. He he earned he allowed two earned runs, but he went seven two-thirds innings, he allowed four hits, he walked two, and he struck out another 11 batters. So basically, since October 1st, he has a .99 ERA in 45 innings, with 27 hits, six walks, and 64 strikeouts. Jesus Christ! So yeah, yeah that definitely will play. And most so, Mets- dare I say, Stephen Valines esque strikeout <laughs> to walk ratio there. Yes, yes, yes. Most Mets fans that don't really follow the minor leagues obsessively, I guess a they're probably not listening to this podcast actually. But 
you know, most most people when you think of Chris Flexen, you don't really think of dominance like that. Um, for a short period, for about you know three four months in 2016, I think it was 2017 when he was in Double A, he was this kind of dominant. So there is something in there, and you know the Mets kind of gave him a chance when they brought him up, but at the same time they kind of didn't. They kind of jerked him around a lot, and that definitely did not help his development, but. We were looking at the advanced stats. There are very, I'm not going to say very limited um, ones available, but obviously there's a language barrier. Uh, Honestly, there's a good amount of stuff there. It's just difficult for us to figure out what the hell it means. Yes. I mean, certain things, they translate well enough. Certain things, you kind of like, okay, I get what it's trying to say. Um. And then certain things, it just, I, I don't even know what this means. Google Translate did a bad job. But from looking at what we can interpret, we kind of have a, an idea of what he's doing different, what it is that he's not doing different, and what it is that's kind of giving him all the success. So the fastball, the velocity, it's more or less the same. It's a little down as compared to his time at the Mets. Um, he is averaging 92.6 miles per hour on it in Korea, which What's is... What's the league average? Oh, or if you were about to say that. Uh, yeah, the league average is 88.6. So, so okay. he went from being like a slightly above average, uh, fastball. He was actually the 58th percentile, uh, from 2017 to 2019 in the U.S. to basically being in the 99th percentile. He's one of the hardest throwers in the league. Uh, obviously that's going to help. Uh, but the biggest thing that seems to be different that he's doing purposefully himself or at the behest of his coaches is that he's throwing his curveball a lot more. With the Mets, he threw it 6.1% of the time. With the Bears, he basically has doubled that and he's throwing it 12.6% of the time. Uh, in the major leagues from 2017 to 2019 with the Mets. That really wasn't an effective pitcher for whatever reason, even though it had one of the higher spin rates in in the league. Uh, Batters basically hit over 500 against it, so small sample size to a degree, and even just the eye test, it wasn't very good. Uh, In Korea, on the other hand, though, Batters hitting uh, $1.79 against it, so night and day. And one of the reasons... For that is that um, much like the U.S., you know, a couple of years ago, Korea has been undergoing that whole flyball revolution. And one of the ways to counter, you know, uh, uh, the big uppercut swings is to use a high fastball. And Flexen has had a lot of success with the high fastball and curve combo. Um, uh, batters hit. 117 against this fastball when he was throwing it in the upper half of the zone. And then tunneling that with the curveball and to a lesser degree the slider in the bottom of the zone. That is hitting 122 against the curve and 172 against the slider. Thomas, I swear to God, it, don't it's say more it. Or less, <laughs> it's I'll more or less the same thing Seth Lugo started doing out of the pen where he throws the fastball up and then buries the curveball down, and you can't focus on either half of the zone because he's 
mixing them up so interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know this is completely like anecdotal and it's not like analysis really and it's pretty much impossible for us to know. But I wonder if because the curveball wasn't effective here, he was just like, I need to keep my job in the major so I'm not going to throw it. And like it's actually been a good pitch and he was just too worried about getting just sent down immediately and because it was getting hit. So now that he's in Korea, he's able to kind of like experiment a little bit more because he so, is one of the harder throwers. So my like, theory is that, um, you know, he it's the same thing with Gazelman where he came up throwing the hard slider that they all throw, the Wharton slider, mm-hmm. and then they throw it a lot. And you know, unless you're you're Jacob Degrom or Cindergard, you're throwing <laughs> it 88, 89. <laughs> oh yeah, it doesn't work as well. 86, 87. Um, but he was still kind of leaning on it because I guess the guys who taught him it were on the big the big league staff. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I didn't think about that. But that's my prevailing theory. <laughs> and now that he's away from it, he could. Yeah, you can say, well, yeah. the curveball is a better option. That's kind of uh, like um, he's making me throw. <laughs> that was that was kind of like the Yankee Sunny Gray stuff, where he was like, my slider's bad, and they were like, but Yankees throw sliders, and he was like, but it's <laughs> it's it's bad, and then he but was getting it up. Because, like, I'm throwing a pitch that is not good, like, and here we are. So I, it, that, that's actually an interesting point. It's something that that kind of stuff does not make sense to me. Like, we know, I mean, obviously, the scouting reports from him in AA and, and below are going to be very different than what was happening in the major leagues because, obviously, the, the environment is very, very, very different. But mm-hmm. coming up, he had, you know, an above-average borderline plus curveball every so often you know he he throws a really good one when he's with the Mets and like you could see like oh damn okay and why you would then you know they didn't have him scrap it completely but they taught him the slider and it it was an effective pitch to a degree but and obviously having multiple weapons is better than not having enough weapons but why you would have him Abandon, not not completely abandon, but use the slider, which is not a good of a pitch as the curveball. More like I, I don't know, it was just weird. I That's don't know why teams, yeah, because it's just putting your your players in a worse position to succeed because you're like banging your head against the wall with your idea, and like and maybe it works for ninety nine percent of the players, and if though so, you you need to also flip it for everyone who does who it doesn't work for. We see, we see this kind of stuff like all the time, like especially, you know, when, when doing all of the research for draft guys and stuff like that, you know, a guy that's either in high school, college, he'll throw, you know, a fast, obviously, there's a fastball, but he'll throw a curveball and then he'll get drafted and all of a sudden he's throwing sliders or he throws a slider and all of a sudden he's not really using that much anymore and they're having him use change-ups. There's obviously, they want to teach him the, the player new things, so that's a factor in all of this. But um, when you see guys just having their entire arsenals wholesale changed, it's just such a weird thing. Um, not Zach Thornton. I keep forgetting his name, probably because I'm just so angry about it. The guy that we just traded to the Astros. Blake Taylor. Blake Taylor? Blake, right, Blake Taylor. When he came over from when he came over from the Astros, he was a big fastball curveball guy. And Mets had him scrap the curveball in favor of the slider. And it's not like he was bad with the Mets, but 
just why would you do that if you have a guy that was successful yeah with this weapon it's just such a weird developmental thing there's a there's a line between teaching a player a new pitch or a new trick and there's a line between them and then on the other side of it it's like literally hurting their performance by taking away something that's good like you wouldn't take away seth lugo's curveball because the mets don't really want to throw curveballs but that's his best pitch so you let him rock and you you teach him the slider too so like you could do both. Like there's there's no law that says you need to throw one or the other. You know, like it would. It's just like counterintuitive to me. It seems like anti. What like I I feel like that's not analytics. I guess I hate using it in that way, but I can't really think of another way to say what I'm trying to say. Like I feel like that's you being you interpreting numbers and stuff incorrectly because you should play to your strengths, not. You should play to your player's strengths. No. That, that's absolutely I mean, some lazy analysis where some guy's like, hey, well, batters are league-wide. Yeah. Batters are hitting 180 against sliders and 200 against curves. So, therefore, we only throw sliders now. Exactly. Yeah. And then, like, the dude who that, just can't that throw That does sound like some Mets stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dude who just can't throw one for whatever reason, whether it be comfort, whether it be – who knows? There's a million reasons. Some pitchers just have better pitchers than others, and – then you're just putting your guy in a box for no reason, and it's mm-hmm. just weird. Again, a lot of this is developmental stuff. Like they'll tell a guy, like, okay, your goal for this entire season, who cares about the numbers, who cares about whatever? Like, we want you to learn a curveball and or, or slider, you know, and we'll we'll take that you have a five ERA and that your your peripherals are horrible because all we want to do is see you perfect this one pitch. So that's part of the minor leagues and development and everything like that, but. Then you see that carry on until the, they get to the big leagues, and yeah. it just it's just weird. I mean, I mean, imagine... I absolutely understand why they would want him to try to because he does he, in my opinion, still doesn't have a viable third pitch as a starter, right? Like guys who are fastball breaking ball don't work generally as starters. You need something else, and it's even hard as a fastball breaking ball breaking ball guy. Um, and so I get why they wanted him to learn a slider in the first place, but totally scrapping the curve in the process doesn't yeah. get you anywhere. You've just moved from being fastball breaking ball to fastball less good breaking ball. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at too. Um, yeah, well, and, obviously, no, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Was, the curveball it got hit around in major leagues. So I mean, maybe they were onto something. Maybe it's been but he, a lot. He also but, he didn't but, throw a lot of them. Right. That's the thing. Also, is is it just a kind of self defeating, you know, self fulfilling profi- prophecy? Like he didn't he throw many. Three of the first ten he threw, and then decided it was a bad pitch. Exactly. Right, exactly. It seems way too early for you to throw it out because he he doesn't really have a huge sample as a major league player, regardless with anything. He, like, he also wouldn't be the first pitcher to you know come up and really struggle to command a pitch and then find it later on, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what goes with on with Flexen next. I mean, we've said this probably like three or four times, but he definitely has pitched his way to the major leagues if he wants to uh, try again. And if he wants to stay in Korea or or go to Japan, I think any team would have him. Oh, yeah, so, he could he could make yeah. bank as, a, yeah. as, like, a guy in – in the Asian leagues, just dominating. <laughs> so yeah, I think what we're trying there. to say is, um, Chris Flexen, you do you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Or and, and also come on the pod. Yeah. Come like friend of the podcast, Chris Flexen, you do you, <laughs> bud. 
I, I am admittedly a little, I was like really interested to see if he'd come over or come back. And even if the Mets bring him back after looking at this data, I'm not as convinced. If I'm being totally honest, he still doesn't have a change. The, uh, I don't know, like the velocity, I don't know exactly how to interpret the velocity. The ball's a little different there, but if he's lost velocity, that's not great either. Um, at the same time, it might be the, and then the other thing, and this is something we can't really tell from the pitch effects very well, is, is, is this just, did he just get healthier and improve his control and command? Because honestly, mm-hmm. that might have been the biggest, his biggest issue, uh, with the Mets is just, he had like some shoulder issues, if I recall correctly. It seemed like he never knew where the ball was going. So if that's what he's fixed, then I'm much more interested. But there's nothing in the pitch effects here to, to suggest to me that something is really broken out. Rather, it's just a guy dominating weaker competition, which we've seen Flexen do before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say that the KBO is the equivalent or, or is the equivalent of double A and Coincidentally, where did Flexen break out? Double A. Yeah. So, yeah. either way, though, good for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, not- given given the money the Mets have, if he's interested in coming over and doesn't, oh, yeah. Yeah. if he doesn't need a guaranteed rotation spot and would just take a couple million bucks, I'll roll that those dice. Mm-hmm. Now to completely dampen the mood. <laughs> That leaves us with the Occult Swallows, oh. who fortunately, unfortunately, are the last team that we have that are still actually playing. Not anymore, but this past week. They played two games at the beginning of the week, Sunday and Tuesday, and they went one and one. So they are ending the season now at 41, 69, and 10, uh, 25 games behind the first place Yomiuri Giants. So interesting. This this part is kind of interesting. Um the Central League, which is the league that the uh, Swallows are in, the Giants, a couple of other teams, they the league voted to scrap the playoffs completely. So the Giants, their first place, they automatically uh, won the Central League pennant. The Pacific League, on the other hand, they did not vote to do that. So the two top teams of the Pacific League uh, duked it out in a best-of-three series, uh, the Fukuoka Soft Bank Hawks and the Chiba Latte Marines. And the Hawks won, so they're going to be meeting the Giants in the Nippon series. And holy shit, the Hawks won in 2014, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019. So they are, yeah, they're on the verge of becoming like a Gretzky Oilers kind of dynasty. Uh, And they have a really stacked bunch of hitters. They have a really dominant pitching staff. So definitely... They they have a good shot at actually doing that, which is it, it must be crazy to have a team that wins all the time. Yeah, I know nothing about that. Yet you don't you know nothing about that yet, Steve. Oh, very true. I like that. I like that. I real I really wish that we would start seeing some baseball moves just so that little voice in the back of my head saying "Don't believe it, it's too good to be true" <laughs> would shut the fuck up once we see some things happen. <laughs> Still there yeah. right now, though. I mean, what did the World Series end like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? So I mean, the crazy yeah, thing is that the, the the crazy <laughs> thing is that basketball is like basketball finished what around the same time, and they're set to start their season again in the middle of December. So their <laughs> off season's going to be literally a week long. And teams <laughs> so, are already like pretty busy. 
Like, yeah, we're going to see like crazy. 3 million trades and free agent signings in basketball and every baseball fan is just that uh, JPEG of the with the uh, guy poking something with a stick. <laughs> Do something. Do something. Please. <laughs> Well, hopefully the Mets now do um, some good somethings. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Technically, the offseason has started because we do have some player news. Marcus Stroman. He accepted the Mets qualifying offer, which doesn't happen very often. So they're going to be getting a solid quality pitcher, and they're not going to be sacrificing any draft picks. Um, the first round pick, it's protected, but from the second round on, they'd, uh, they'd be losing a pick. The Mets didn't exceed the luxury tax, and they're not revenue sharers. So, I mean, receivers. So they lose their second highest draft pick and $500,000 in international bonus pool money if they signed the free agent who uh, rejected qualifying offer, which basically all the pitchers of Stroman's caliber are going to be doing anyway. So yeah. Or Riel and Springer. Yeah, that's, I mean, coach. that's, it's good. The Mets basically are getting a free, I mean, it costs money, but the Mets are basically getting a free high-level pitcher, and I'm assuming that they're going to sign at least one more free agent of that caliber. So odds that they're going to lose their second-round pick and – Maybe they go balls to the wall and sign two guys, two more guys, and they'd, they'd lose their third-round pick. I don't know. <laughs> the rules don't actually say or make it clear. If, if they sign a third guy, then they you know lose another, the third round, uh, fourth-round pick. I'm not really sure. They just kind of ended at second and third, but... Uh, well, in the rules... Are there really that many like, good free agents, though? <laughs> I, I'm uh, trying to remember who got QOs. It wasn't that many people. It. I know Bauer, Springer. Real Muto, Muto, Bauer, Springer, LeMahieu. Yeah. Oh, wait, Le- no. This is a predicted list. Sorry. I think LeMahieu did get one, though. Yeah. Just sign, just, uh, just sign uh, uh, Charlie Morton, though. No. no no, QO there, I don't think. No. Isn't he, he going to retire? No, he still wants to play. From yeah. a report, but he he would like to play in Florida, but also yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Here, so maybe you could be like come home. I mean, Florida is the New York of the South anyway, so <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> New York is the Florida of the North. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I think they need to sign one more legit arm, like in that. I don't know that it's Bauer. Maybe they won't go that high, but someone like Morton, yes, Tanaka would make sense. Um, they need one more legit guy like that. 
And then I think you can do a fourth starter more in that uh, Garrett Richards, Drew Smiley uh, pool of third-tier pool of arms. Anthony DiScalvani is an interesting reclamation guy, but having Stroman just – I mean, they needed at least two starters, and having him take the QO just makes that a whole lot easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they don't want to – like, because they're still kind of – SNY has been talking about them maybe going after Bauer still. But I wonder if they don't want to allocate all of their – like big ticket stuff to pitchers. Like I would understand why they would want to, but also mm-hmm. like maybe they just want to diversify their assets a little bit. Like it, it would make sense either way. Like on the field, that yep. whichever way they go. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't particularly want to have a long discussion about Bowers off the field antics. Um, but I think he's quite good on the field. I think he has a higher ceiling than Stroman on the field, which he's different. Stroman's weird in that he's. Like the most consistent dude on the planet, you're gonna, he's just gonna churn out three win seasons, which year in, year out, isn't gonna make him look that good relative to the rest of the league, cause there's always like 30 guys putting up that many wins or whatever. That might be a little too high. I mean, high. each team needs five of them though. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. But, and, and the consistency matters, right? So just year in, year out, he's gonna do this. Uh, and you're gonna get three to four wins, and he's a gen- genuinely good dude. He's still in his prime. No, they should no, work out a long-term extension for him. Absolutely. Like I'm it pretty was- sure you could get him to sign like four to five years, less than a hundred million dollars in this market. Like, give him five eighty, and I'm pretty sure he'd take that. I would definitely. Look I would for- take that. <laughs> yes. Well, of course we'd take it. <laughs> I would definitely look into it if I were at the Mets, just because. Like, Steve Cohen is talking about in his press conference winning a, a I almost said a Super Bowl, uh, winning a World Series in three to five years and um, all the stuff about winning now and all that. You have no pitchers on the horizon. Yep. Like, there's just, like, Matthew Nothing. Allen is young and he's the best one you got and he's far Literally away. Literally none above full season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, it's, it's, it's going to be at some point where you're just going to have to pay the dues you have and, like, Syndergaard, that's a tough one because he's hurt right now, but, like, I don't know how you could... you got to start talking to Stroman, I think. Just be like, hey, do you want to be our second to third best guy for the next four years? I mean, he like, fits the window perfectly. He fits exactly, their, he does. Yeah. Um, and I think in an ideal world, he's your number three starter, not your number two starter. So... But like, that's for, not bad, either. No, mm-hmm. no, it's not. And I think in a world where I, I would... I think Morton makes a lot of sense. You pick up Morton. Like, in, in a perfect world, right, you sign Morton, Syndergaard comes back healthy uh, late in the season, Stroman's your fourth starter for the playoffs. And, I mean, Thor's already thrown off a mound, too. Yeah. So, like, like obviously that's still a long ways away for him, but that's kind of – I didn't expect that yet, to see him – to see video of him actually throwing mm-hmm. off a mound because of the timeline, how it was um, laid out. Um, so that's encouraging, but I also wouldn't count on him either. Um, no, just, you, can't. you you have to go into the season assuming that he's hurt. Yep. Just because yes. that's the only safe way to do it. And then and then like worst case scenario, if you get to mid season and Thor's healthy and the three guys you signed and Peterson are all healthy, when you sell you tell Peterson uh ah, tough shit, you're you're optioned. <laughs> Man, that's right? rough. <laughs> well, yeah. It's a business, you know. Sorry. I think he would tear lefties apart in a playoff rotation. Yeah. Peterson? Or a, not a playoff rotation, a playoff... Um, bullpen? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Shove I think that would be a, like a really good role for him. Absolutely. Yeah. 
that was I think during the regular season, you send him to AAA and let him stay stretched out, though. Unless he's just, like, totally... Uh, yeah, shot. I mean, it depends who else is in your bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, That's the it, other part it, of it. it depends on the bullpen, too. Either way, he's playing a role somehow. Oh, yeah. As usual, we've gone off on a very... Uh, not that much of a tangent, but... Yeah, uh, not, really, not really. But... Stroman, yay, good. Yeah, so... We're I'm happy. also a little... I, I didn't expect it, so I was happy when I when yeah. that news came in. I expected him yeah. to, to test, because I figured Some he would... Some of the free agent uh, predictions for him were wonky. Like, people were saying 345. No, I'm like, that's... he's going to get more than that. He has to, unless the economics are really just that screwed, in which case, uh, Steve Cohen, go sign everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, lose Steve all your Cohen, draft. go save baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lose, all, lose every draft. single draft pick, but... I don't even care at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that makes draft coverage a lot easier for me. <laughs> when you just go sign everyone, then you don't have to trade for Lindor. You keep mm-hmm. the prospects and you just no. sign every good player off of the market. <laughs> but I, I want, I want Francis Colindor. <laughs> I want him so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm on the Lindor. We should, we can, we should have a longer discussion about that at some point. One thing that signing all these free agents is gonna do, like we know, okay, I would rather have the free agent than the draft pick, obviously, as a Mets fan, because it's a guy obviously immediately contributing to the Mets in a, hopefully, Above league average way, whereas a draft pick, you know, most of them flame out. But um, one thing that that might impact is how the Mets approach the draft because they've been employing, you know, a atypical draft strategy the last couple of years. If they lose, let's say, pick two and three from trip from signing two two guys that rejected qualifying offers, you're losing that second round pick and that third round pick money and kind of difficult to get creative yeah with less money mm. but obviously the guys that are still going to be you know available in round three on are you know oh, excuse me round four on the Mets haven't had much luck identifying the the good ones <laughs> Even That's when they true. weren't trying to do it, so. I wonder if that gives them more carte blanche to go crazy in those rounds and get, like, really young dudes and, like, high school guys and try to, like, convince them. Well, we'll see, I guess. It would be interesting to yeah. see how they approach a draft if they lose a lot of their early stuff outside of the first, obviously. I think in that situation, you just try to get the best player with the first pick and screw yep. the rest of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Seniors. Probably, yeah. I just hope, though, that, you know, they invest some of uh, the Cohen cash in scouting and are able well, to The nice identify. thing about him being, like, a finance guy is he understands return on investment being extraordinary for, like, even <laughs> a mild draft success. Are you telling me Steve Cohen might have a better understanding of uh, uh, risk-reward cost-benefit analysis than Jeff Wilpon? Um, Lucas, I, I do believe that is what I'm implying. <laughs> That's very bold. Big if true. I would have never guessed. Well, uh, related tangentially to the draft is uh, what we're going to talk about now. And basically, it's been over a year since Baseball America first reported that Major League Baseball wanted a slash and burn the minors and reduce all the teams from around 160 to around 120 by just basically eliminating all the short season leagues, the Appalachian League, the Pioneer League, the 
New York Penn League and the Northwest League. And obviously, communities all over the country were upset. And there was plenty of organized resistance. But at the end of the day, you know, there really isn't anything anyone can do except shame Major League Baseball. And we know they don't give a crap about PR. So they just unilaterally changed things the way they wanted to. And no one could do anything about it. So according to the early reports, in terms of how this would affect the Mets, they'd lose the Kingsport Mets. They were in the Appalachian League. And they would lose the Brooklyn Cyclones, who were in the New York Penn League. Losing Kingsport, you know, sucky for the people of Kingsport, but no big deal. You know, the league is small, it's tucked into an area of the country, it's not particularly affluent, so whatever. Losing Brooklyn, on the other hand, would be a very big deal. Um, since minor league baseball started publicly tracking this information in 2005, Cyclones have led the league in attendance every single year. Um, their average attendance in 36 home games beats out a lot of the full season affiliates in leagues all over the countries. The country, the fans are into it. The stadium, it's nice. You know, Coney Island is kind of seedy, but it's nice to go see a game at. It's so, fine when you're going there. Like yeah. The times of the games are going. It's crowd. It's very popular. Po- populated. It's not not giving. It's not something that you would just kind of give up willy nilly. That's uh, something. That's a, a franchise that you hold on to. So the original plan was that Brooklyn was going to be bumped up to double A and that the Binghamton Rumble Ponies were going to dissolve. And that would suck for the city of Binghamton, but it made sense because Binghamton is basically like the opposite of Brooklyn. Not a baseball city. Stadium, there's nothing wrong with the stadium, but just kind of like blah. And they've been either dead last or second to last in attendance in the Eastern League since 2005. So, you know, sorry the people in Binghamton, but... Oh, well. Unfortunately, though, things, well, not necessarily unfortunately, but just things are more complicated than just magically swapping out one team with another. And since the entire structure of the minor leagues as we know it changed, you just kind of got to go with the flow. So one of the big things coming out of the uh, reports of the last couple of days is that the Florida State League is being shifted from high A to low A. And since they play at the spring training complexes, it makes sense. You have the rookie affiliate in the spring training complex, and then you have the the next one up. The Lully affiliate will be at the spring training complex too. So makes sense. Simple. Bad thing about that is that for the Mets is that the Columbia Fireflies, being a low A team in the South Atlantic League, they are now redundant, and they are the team that ended up being the odd man out. And they are now, unfortunately, uh, gone. So, as things seem to stand right now, Syracuse is going to remain the AAA affiliate. Binghamton is going to be the AA affiliate. Brooklyn is going to be the high A affiliate in the new mid-league, uh, excuse me, mid-Atlantic league, which has not yet formed, so we don't know who else is going to be around. I think the Hudson Valley team that the Yankees are taking over, that we'll talk about in a little bit, are going to be part of that as well. And then St. Lucie is going to be the low A affiliate in the Florida State League. Um, sucks for Columbia because yeah. just like uh, just like Brooklyn was like the opposite of Binghamton. Aren't so is a lot Columbia. of these still um, kind of like shifting though? So like they'll probably find an affiliate given that they have probably like the nicest stadium. Yeah, they are not going to be completely contracted whatsoever. Yeah, they're they... going to exist for somebody. 
but they it sucks tweeted, that it's not us. They, they they tweeted this big long thing like a goodbye post, and they were like, "We're looking forward to finding our next uh, affiliate." So yeah, they have they have good media people. <laughs> they just they were talking about how they got broken up on Twitter, um, and their new Twitter bio is like low affiliate for somebody. Yeah. In in the some league. <laughs> That's funny. So they're also the team that had the uh, when they rebanded from the uh, sand nats, yeah. right to the fireflies. They had those glow in the dark hats at first. Mm-hmm. So, they still the do. fireflies. They still have those. Yeah, yeah. and the and the jerseys. Their yeah, marketing right. department is just on point. Yeah, yeah. am I still allowed to wear my chicharrones hat? Ah. I hope so. I mean, there's nothing. Says you can't celebrate chicharrones just because they're not a Mets. I mean, everybody loves chicharrones. I'm sure <laughs> if you go to Columbia, uh, stupid Columbia. I'm sure if you go to Corona when you're on your way to a Mets game, you will get many knowing looks. Huh. Um. So, I, I was looking forward to going back to Columbia next year during my, you know, watching teams, and it just sucks that I'm not going to get to go. I mean, I'm not just going to go because the hell of it. I don't uh, travel too much, so that obviously has to be a reason. But definitely had the best barbecue that I've ever had because yeah. of their mustard mustard barbecue That's the way. Sauce. Yep, yep, exactly. And geographically, met- this makes sense, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's crummy. Like we liked Columbia, but it, it makes sense to have uh, like Binghamton, Brooklyn, Syracuse, and. Uh, Oh my God! I'm having a Saint Lucie. Saint Lucie, Saint Lucie. You're basically you have all of your infrastructure in the same place as either your big league team or your or complex. Your complex, right? Mm-hmm. And like the complex is your lowest level now. The, mm-hmm. the league closest to your complex is the lowest level. So it makes yeah, it I makes a lot of sense. That's logistically, it's it's a no brainer. Really, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, that I could see why the Mets would want that, even if like Binghamton doesn't do necessarily well in. The attendance and all that stuff. I still like, would have much preferred. I mean, no contraction, obviously, but if, but I think honestly, a five-level system would make more sense. I wish there was still at least one more team. Um, it's a shame there's not. Well, there is the rookie affiliates, the GCL match. They still exist. Right, right, right. That's true. But um, the Mets were not the only team to have a, a surprise like this, and I guess. As, you know, time goes on and more and more teams have to make decisions, you know, other teams are going to make some kind of shocking ones. Um, with the Yankees, who are really the, the other team here, we knew that they were going to lose the Pulaski Yankees and the Staten Island Yankees, the rookie and their short affiliates. But they went even further than that. They replaced the Charleston River Dogs, who are, are in the South Atlantic League, with the more local Hudson Valley Renegades, who used to be the short affiliate with the Braves. And even more surprising is that they replaced the Trenton Thunder with the Somerset Patriots. And the Somerset Patriots are an Atlantic League team that now they're getting uh, official major league slash minor league affiliation. And honestly, replacing Trenton, that is a huge miss for the Yankees. Um, I love Lynn Binghamton Please, Trenton, I drive over to the all of those games because, A, there's a Cracker Barrel like 10 minutes from the park, and I love Cracker <laughs> Barrel. damn it. Priorities. How do you not love Cracker Barrel? That's, <laughs> I, that's I, like I, the, I do not love Cracker Barrel. No. Well, I don't know. You're missing out, man. 
But if you are a person who is inclined to like Cracker Barrel such as myself, that is literally the only one, like, anywhere nearby. So that sucks. But that aside, Cracker Barrel aside, uh, Arm and Hammers Park, it's probably one of the nicest minor league parks that I've been to. It's kind of tucked away right on the Delaware River. The management there, they are some of the most helpful and accommodating people that I've dealt with in the years that I've been covering, you know, minor league stuff at AA. Energy in the stands, it's, you know, very high. You're leaving out the most important part. Yes. The bat dog. Yes. So you have Tommy Smith, the bat boy, and you have Rookie and Dash, the bat dogs. And they are not things that you're going to find anywhere else. I'd be interested to see if the if they try to import over the dogs, but Trenton and uh, Bridgewater, where is where where the the Somerset Patriots play, it's actually not really that close. I thought there was just like an exit on the turnpike, but it's like an hour and ten minutes away or so, which is a kind of pain I, in the I think ass. That's a little bit of an over exaggeration. Uh, maybe it's just because I live directly in between the two. Mm. But, also, it's, um, it's also not... like 45 minutes from me, and Bridgewater, where the stadium is, is maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah, it's it's also not off of the turnpike. I thought it was just like a, one exit or so. It's off of like 278 or something. Like It's off know. of uh, 287. 287. Oh, wow. I'm just like yeah, that Literally off. right off 287. <laughs> but... Uh, which brings me to a point I wanted to make, which is as sad as, as, sad as, as it is for Trenton that this is moving literally into my backyard. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I used to work at a stop, uh, a shop right that was literally like two blocks <laughs> from where this was. It's closer the, for me too. Is. It's definitely closer, but it just, yeah, it just still makes no, me it, sad. It, it's shitty. <laughs> yeah, it always felt like their relationship with Trenton was really strong. Yeah, I mean, the, and the it's trend, a good ballpark. Yeah, it's, that's that's know. the thing that the that the Yankees did what they did and became unaffiliated with Trenton just shows how fake all the reasons for doing all this is. Because originally they were claiming that a lot of these teams had stadiums that weren't up to snuff. They were forcing players and and to, and to to work out and play in subpar facilities. And basically, that pretense is just completely gone now because Arm and Hammer Park, very nice, very steady of the art. I had I had the unfortunate uh, privilege, I guess, of seeing, getting to see parts of the stadium that are off limits to other people, like literally underneath the stadium, underneath the stands. Because last year my brother dropped his phone in a crack. Oh, oh in no! The yeah, so I got oh, yeah, to go down that. there. I it was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Um, but you know, the th- the, the Thunder—they are a very successful team. And there's no reason that the Yankees needed to do what they did. And basically, the Yankees had leverage, and they used Somerset, and they just kind of dangled organized affiliation status to kind of extract some concessions out of them that they wouldn't be able to get from the Trenton Thunder. And they moved because it's a business, and it's... If they could save twenty bucks, they're going to save twenty bucks, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, also, as usual, baseball just masks their nonsense with some legitimate problems with the minor league system, and then the, the, it, it becomes immediately obvious how how nonsensical their justification was. 
Mm-hmm. And the only other thing that they could have possibly cited is like, oh, well, you know, Trenton might not logically fit into where we want to have our minor league system, just like Columbia didn't logically fit anymore. I mean, but, Trenton's a hell of a lot closer. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. But Trenton, it could logically fit in the Eastern League where it is right now. If they wanted to move it and juggle affiliations and put it in the Mid-Atlantic League that they're building, it would fit there too. Mm-hmm. Even the International League, it would mm-hmm. fit there. You know, any any league that is in the area, it would fit. So there's just no reason. Yeah, they, the Yankees just basically found some suckers elsewhere, and they said, see ya. It's also wild that, like, now with minor league with, with, with the minor leagues shrinking, it's going to be harder for these places to find an affiliation. Because, mm-hmm. like... The Mets lost, like, the Mets moved from Vegas for very, very reasonable reasons. And then Vegas got snapped up immediately, you know? But, like... Because there's no one else left. (laughs) Exactly, though. Like, now, I don't know if there's there's a place for Trenton to go that's close. That's going to be, like, a solid destination for teams that won't be mad that they have to be at Trenton because they're in Trenton and they might not be in on the eastern side of the country. You know what I mean? So, like, so the list is like, what, Baltimore? Is yeah. it too, too far? Philly, is it too Philly. far? I know Philly uh, has a good relationship with the uh, fighting Phils. Well, I mean, I'd hope so. Uh, well, yeah, but, but you know, the, the, so the, the problem with Philly is that all of their affiliates are already super local. Like, the farthest yeah. one is probably, or the farthest oh. one outside of the, the complex teams is probably, what, like Lakewood? And Lakewood's yeah. maybe an hour? <laughs> and that's not even far, yeah. Like, yeah. Philly has, like, the ideal setup. Because um, Baltimore, I'm, too, to a degree. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, they're all basically around Maryland. And that's what I think the Mets are going for with moving to Binghamton instead of... Yeah, they kind of started it with Syracuse, trying to make everything, you know, clustered. So I, I guess there are a few options. Um, it just depends if they're looking. Washington would maybe not be a bad one for yeah. Trenton. Actually, Pittsburgh bring both maybe these. a little too far. I, I you mean, can squint and do Pittsburgh. Syracuse but is more or less the same distance, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I know. Pittsburgh, I think, is further than. I don't think so. I oh, think Syracuse. So is... Washington, Washington to Trenton. Syracuse, I think, is further. All right. From here. All right. Syracuse just feels closer because it's in the same state. But right. Like Syracuse. There's also like a lot of like rail distribution there. Um, yes, yes. Like like Amtrak is is quick if you wanted mm-hmm. to do that. There's a lot of commuter shuttles. That is what I'm going to be doing next year. You can make Roger Davis take an Uber. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he hit a home run after that, right? Yes. (laughs) Also, one other, you mentioned it kind of tangentially and reminded me. um, Vegas, the the Nats were in Vegas. And uh, Minnesota, another team... Basically, they they did what the Yankees did. They dangled affiliation in front of the St. Paul Somebodies, which was a minor uh, an, uh, an independent team. They're getting affiliation, so the Twins oh, are leaving are? Rochester. Yes, the Twins are leaving Rochester, and the Nats are moving into Rochester now. Because so, I'm pretty sure that St. Paul's team, if it's the team I'm thinking of, is like a big-name independent league Yeah, they are team. all of the big-name independent teams. The, the St. Paul team, the Sugarland Skeeters, the, the Somerset Patriots. I'm sad that the Long Island Ducks are not involved here, but... Can you imagine kind of... that's AAA team, Long Island Ducks? <laughs> Hell yeah. 
I'm, I'm all Jordani Valdespin is still there for some reason. <laughs> oh my he god! Signed, they have to, it, it's in the contract that they have to sign him to a minor league. He won't league. <laughs> per, He's per the Browns crew. Per my googling, Syracuse to New York is 250 miles. Pittsburgh to Trenton is 320 miles by yeah, a car. So it's pretty close. What is it to Washington? To wa- Trenton, Trenton to Washington? Yeah, because I know Washington has a few affiliates that are, are kind of there's Out no there. geographical. Probably like uh, only 171. Like really? that. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that would that would probably be the best fit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But then Washington's going to have to drop someone, and then we're talking about this with a whole different. But you know, Washington has. Let me pull that up. Listen, screw Washington. Yeah. They, Washington has at least one that's just way nowhere. Don't they close. have. Don't they have one of the? I think it's Fresno. The, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, Fresno, Harrisburg. This would be closer than Harrisburg. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Fredericksburg. <laughs> would it be closer than Fresno? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe. Slightly. I yeah. thought they were. Like, see that whole big spiel I just went on. I thought that the Nats were in Las Vegas. The A's are in Las Vegas. Then who the hell's in Las Vegas? The Nats also have Auburn, New York, as an affiliate. This would be a significant. Yeah. So th- maybe that uh, happens. The Batavia Double Days, I think. Yeah. Or the Auburn, whatever. Auburn Double Days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the avi they rebranded to the Aviators. They're not the Fifty Ones anymore. That's like, yeah, yeah. yeah they did a, a thing whole new after. stadium, whole new team, whole new everything. They're the Athletics now. A's okay. Yeah. But yeah, they have a whole new thing. I think that was like they announced it right before the Mets left. So the Mets yep. got like last year the Fifty Ones, and then. They use the like the Mets leaving to be like a total rebrand. Like now we're a new, um, we're in a new organization too, and everything. That's right. why Pete. That's why Pete Alonso walking off on the last day was so awesome because he literally was closing the book on an entire franchise, an entire stadium, an entire everything. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So what you're saying is Pete Alonso killed the Las Vegas <laughs> <laughs> single-handedly. Wow, that is bad. with his bare hands. <laughs> He could. He looks like the kind of guy that could like rip a pineapple in half. So, <laughs> so yeah, this this new 2021 minor league is gonna definitely take some getting used to. I think that we need to institute some kind of like fine every time we say St. Lucie is low A. I mean, excuse me, St. Oh. Lucie is high A instead of being low A. <laughs> I'm gonna forget that. For yep. I'm, I'm gonna write it in the in the minor league uh, uh, write ups too. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, and then I'm gonna have to go back and delete it. I mean, hell, yeah. I couldn't remember the old affiliates, so this isn't gonna change anything for me. It's just gonna be <laughs> as confused a mess as always. I think okay. the only thing that I'm actually excited about though is Brooklyn being full time because I'm so close. Yeah, sure. it's it's definitely will be better for us to have a team where there are. Probably going to be more prospects than Brooklyn, and obviously baseball will be uh, April to September instead of June to September. So yeah. that's more that's baseball. Too. More baseball is good. Yes. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you can follow us on Twitter. Well, no, excuse me. You could send us an email first. We like those better. <laughs> From complexthequeens at gmail dot com. But if you don't want to send us an email, then you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at ElVlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. 
and Thomas is at said Met season S Z N. Subscribe to our podcast or the podcast from rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>